Thanks, seat. So good to be here. Like um, Pastor Aaron said, we've got Verve on tonight. I'm really excited because it's my first Verve night off, and, and my wife, Nat, gets to speak, and she... She's awesome. She, she comes up with this message the other day that she's been mulling over, and then she, she says it out loud, and she's like, no, that's just, that's not happening. And so in one night, she's written another message, and she's pumped up about it. She's really excited about it. So, yeah, nah, I'm excited. I'm excited. So come along if you're young adults, and if you're kind of a little bit older than young adults, then you don't, maybe you should come along and grab coffee. Up to you. Up to you. Hey, anyway, so... um. It's so cool to be here. It's, it's, um, it's a real privilege to, to, to share the stage. We've got some amazing pastors I was speaking to, a couple of people after the first service, and just, just the quality of people in this church, whether they're pastors and leaders and, and just people in general. It's, a, it's an awesome church that's going somewhere. And, and it's, yeah, it's so cool to see what Spencer's doing in Auckland. Yeah, he's, he's really going to take off this year. So I'm excited for him and you guys as well. But uh, I'm going to speak on out of Hebrews 10. Uh, 32 to 39 today, and it's been it's been kicking around on the on the um, on my thoughts for a long time now about how we are to live. You know, when we're Christians, we've got God on the inside of us. You got a, a God that's made everything available to us. He's, he's a abundance. He's, he gives us purpose. He gives us hope. He provides for everything we ever need. But yet, we can still live ineffective lives to a large degree. You know, how come we're not? all overachievers in life and it's it's you know we kind of look at overachievers as if it's a bad thing you know like you know in the workplace an overachiever it's always done by a bell curve and everyone knows that you can only have so many people at the top end of town and then everyone else has to be sort of in the middle and then you've got the needs for improvement at the end and so that's that's the way so the corporate world lives but you know for overachievers in God's kingdom there's everyone everyone's top end of town you know and it's just we detract from that by the way we the decisions that we make and the way we live our lives. And, and that's sort of been, when I read this scripture, that's what sort of came to mind. So I'll just read it through to you this morning. So Hebrews 10, 32 starts off, Remember those days when you've received the light, when you, in, when you endured in the great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood, you stood side by side with those who were treated so. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because you knew that yourselves, that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. I said in the first service, it's like you can read scripture like this and it kind of seems so abstract from today's world. It's like, you know, when, when you share something about God or share the gospel or share your faith, that, you know, back in that time, you'd, you'd, get, you'd get stoned, you'd get dragged into court, you'd get abused. You'd be insulted. You'd have your property taken off you, possibly. I said in the first service too. Has anyone had a stone thrown at them because of sharing sharing the gospel with someone, and someone actually put their hand up? Yeah. You too? No. Okay. Sorry, you're scratching your nose. Sweet. <laughs> it's cool. Because I was like, yeah, we we really live in a country that's it's so blessed that we got free rights to do whatever we want. You know, free rights to actually do too much, really. No, I won't go there. I'll carry on. Chapter 35 says, uh, carries on after, after talking about all the, all the things that, you know, you've endured through, your, through having faith of knowing that you've got a lasting, um, you know, you've got something better and lasting possessions instead of the things of this time. But it says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You will need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in a little while, he, he who is coming will come and will not delay. 
but the righteous will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who live, who have faith and are saved. So that's what I want to talk out of this morning. So before I get started, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can gather here this morning in your presence. I thank you for the amazing worship that we can sense your spirit here right now. Father God, I pray that you'd work in every single one of us. Father God, that as we read your word, we know it's a living word. We know that it's life-changing. Father God, let it challenge us. Let it speak to truth to us in the areas that we need it. Father God, I pray that there's a clear message is spoken this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Cool. So it was all about, you know, the whole thing of, you know, it, it ends that, that whole paragraph in saying, you know, um, you know, he takes no pleasure in shrinking back and that we don't belong to those who shrink back. And, and I feel really challenged that as a, as a person, you know, often you, it's, it's easy to, to find scripture and, and speak on messages that you have to walk through and challenge by yourself. But I think not only for me, I think it's a, it's a great time for the church. Um, Pastor Callan spoke this morning in the, in the, um, during the worship that, you know, the church is going from strength to strength and there's new seasons that we're moving into. And, um, and it's another, another chance that, another time that we get to look at how we're, how we're living. Are we doing things effectively? And it's, it can be in our own lives as well. It's just what are we doing that's making our lives ineffective for God? So, you know, it's talk, it talks about shrinking back. And to shrink back is to make something smaller by amount or size or value. And that's what the enemy wants to do to us in our lives. It's like God's given us this abundant life to live. He's given us everything we need. And the enemy, the, the only way he can stop us succeeding in what we're doing and, and, and living a life full for God is to, to, restrict, our, to restrict our size and, and make, try to make us smaller and, and, and take away our value so we don't know who we valued, you know, our value in God. So the areas that came to mind when, when we talk about shrinking back, you know, in my life I know that when I get tired and run down, Instead of pressing into the things I know I should do, I, I kind of shrink back and just call it recovering or resting, you know. And, so, and there's a time for that. But you need, to, you need to keep pressing in with your spirituality, your spiritual life as well. There's times of temptation when you, and that always comes at the times when you're tired. You know, when you know that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't watch that or you shouldn't say that. But yet you shrink back and it's not too bad. Or when you have, you need to have those hard conversations with someone you know, to speak biblical truths or, or something over someone, but you don't want to offend them or, or, or uh, yeah, you don't want to offend them, so you, you, you shrink back that you don't, you don't want to share what you know is to be true. Some people might have even lo literally lost property or had stuff thrown at them or whatever, or even lost a loved one when you weren't expecting it and you've got to God and said, oh, what happened there? And, and you, just, you just pull back from God. The trust isn't there. But we know from the Bible, it says we, you, we don't belong to those who shrink back. You know, that was never what we do. We're actually, we're, we're saved through faith. You know, it's our faith that saves us. I spoke at Verva a couple of months back or a while back about faith and, and just breaking it down. And, and the word faith is, contains a lot of stuff. You know, faith is, faith is belief, action, and confidence. 
So to have faith, you need belief. So you, you have a belief structure. So you learn and you understand who God is. That's your belief. And, and that's the values that come out of that. And those values you hold dear enough and that they make, you know, that they're enough value to you. You actually put them in action because they change the way you think. Because of this, I now do that. That's the action piece. So we need faith to, um, to be active as well. But also there's the confidence aspect as well. So you've got faith, action, and confidence. And the confidence piece is, is knowing that something's going to happen, that having a deep sense of certainty that something's going to happen. So that's not a head thing, that's a heart thing. So that's something different again. So you've, you've got to have the belief in God, you've got to have the belief enough that it changes the way you live because you're living for something better. You've got the confidence that backs it up, that knowing, hey, look, I can't see what's going on, but yet I know God's in control of that. That's where your confidence is so important. Hebrews 10.35 says, don't throw away your confidence. And, and um, Kevin Forlong at the uh, men's camp mentioned that he doesn't think that you can actually just throw, people throw away their confidence. It's not like you throw it away. It, but he, he, he mentioned, he started to describe that actually confidence is eroded over time. And I can definitely agree with that. Self-confidence erodes over time. It's just a, a little comment there or a situation that didn't work out there. And it erodes back, pulls back. There's been a lot of studies on, on, um, on confidence and the effect it has on, the, on, on your lives. And research show that high levels of self-confidence is important because it de determines how much we achieve in life and because it is a major impact on our happiness. Self-confidence can be defined as our own self-worth, which is more or less your self-esteem. So when you've got high self-confidence, you're going to achieve more in life. Studies show that even, even children at a young age, at preschool level, they, they've identified if, you're, if you've got a, a child that's got high confidence level, they're going to do better in life. Than, than people that don't. And that's just, that's just the way it works. They, they come across, they'll come across obstacles and they'll know their limitations, but they'll push them anyway. Where someone with low self-confidence will retract when they hit something hard in their lives. So it makes, you, it makes you wonder about the power of words over your children. So we need to start raising up kids as well. I pray for our girls all the time. I pray for confidence and a boldness upon them because I want them to be awesome. I want them to be awesome in life. So we've got opportunities to speak into our kids on that. Cosmetic company in the States also ran um, a study on colognes. And what they did is they, they, they wanted to know what, what colognes were the best smells. And then through that, they, they did some studies and they had a bunch of males and they had a photo shoot. And so they took the photos of the males prior to the cologne being put on. And then they took another set with the colognes on. And obviously they smelled great. They thought they looked great and made them better. There was a, a remarkable difference between the before and after photos just by squirting some spray on. So it just shows the mental, the mental mindset that you can get when you're, when you're confident from the inside out. There's, a there's an amazing TED Talks um, that, that speaks about confidence, and a, and a lady presents it, and it's, it's really cool. And, it, and it's, and it's all, all about... Um, basically confidence and the effect it has on you and, and the way you even stand and the way you sit and all these these poses that you can do prior to a meeting that'll make you feel confident. One of them is this one here. This is my favorite. <laughs> they reckon, they did studies, they had someone sitting in a chair, they had, they had oh, someone crouched over like this 
and you stay there for two minutes, and another person in another room, they had no idea what they are going to do, hands on the hips for two minutes. And they, t- they took their... They took... Um, saliva samples and they they could they could tell before and after these tests just by standing there these poses that the body can do that make you feel confident because you're open and when you're when you're when you're feeling good you're open you're bold your hands are out and you're taking up as much room as you can when you're when you're not confident you're um you want to take less space you want to withdraw you want to retract they also had some other stuff like your, your testosterone levels go up, so that's not so good for the ladies. But testosterone levels go up and your estrogen, I think, there, there's, a, there's a part that deals with stress as well. So when you become, when you get into these situations that are quite stressful, um, you can handle stress a lot better. You don't just fly off the handle and stress reactive. And, um, but yeah, so it changes the whole, the, the genetic makeup inside you as well, chemically, which is really, really interesting. So it says, uh, the, the findings in the TED Talks were like, confidence enables us to engage in what we were doing, and although we know our limits, we'll try to outdo ourselves, which leads to the breakthrough. And when we're confident, we're way more likely to participate and succeed. When you're not confident, you don't want to be a part of anything, you want to pull back. So this is just on a, on a self-confidence level. But we're called to, you know, we, we know God lives in us. We carry that spirit of God with us everywhere we go. So it's like, well, how far does my confidence go when, when things are bigger than what I can control? And that's where there's, there's a difference between a God confidence and a self-confidence. Because a, a, a self-confidence is who we are. That's, that's who we are. We know who we are. We know our abilities. We know what we can do. But a godly confidence is, comes down to whose we are, understanding that, hey, I might be me, but who am I in God? Who am I in Christ? Hebrews 10.35 says, don't throw away your confidence. And it refers to the godly confidence, not a, not a self-confidence. Because there's a, there's a difference between um, the two, very much. So uh, point one, if you're taking notes, would be a godly confidence is richly rewarded. When you keep your confidence in God, you're rewarded by the benefits that come with it. So there's a, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. It says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. And so the difference here is like when we, we know it's richly rewarded because, you know, it says in the Bible, obviously, but it has two back-to-back verses. One of them is talking about a, a, a godly confidence that you need to succeed and it's richly rewarded. It says it right there in one sentence. The next one talks about perseverance and doing the will of God, and then you'll get what has been promised. So what they're doing is the, the self-confidence, the, the godly confidence that it's talking about there is actually for this lifetime. It's to be used now. It's, it's for us to tap into, to, to, to get the most out of God. God's got everything. It's our self-confidence. It's our, sorry, it's our godly confidence that we need to tap into to receive that. The next part down is talking about a promise from God, which is in the afterlife. That's the next, that's the next phase. That's going to happen when we get to heaven. But he, he's very clear on the fact that we're to be overachievers, and it's through the confidence that you're going to be richly rewarded. So confidence is, makes up a large part of that faith. And because of the, 
the, the confidence that you need to have in God, if, if your confidence is in God, that's going to make you have an amazingly strong faith. Because we know just by having self-confidence, you're going to be far, you have a far greater success rate of actually achieving what you set out to do. So imagine what you could have when you've got a godly confidence. You could be almost, you'd be unstoppable if we really tapped in and understood who God was. There's so many chapters in the Bible, I was reading through, there's, there's hundreds of them that, that talk about promises of God and, and confidence in Him. Some of them that I've picked out, Philippians 4.13, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner power through me. 1 John 4 says, You dear children, you are from God and have overcome because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. These are, these are truths we need to stand on. This is where you get your God confidence from. Romans 8.31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? This is Paul, this is Paul writing this. He's, got, he's tapped into the confidence that he's got in God. He was, he was in prison. He was beaten. He was run out of town. He had a, he had a rough life preaching the gospel to people, but at the end of the day, he's saying, who, who can stand against us? It doesn't matter what people can do, because our God's greater. Psalm 56, 9 says, this is David writes this, then my enemies will turn back and I'll, when I call for help. But this I know, sorry, the enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I'll know that God is with me. So he's talking about the, the times where he had lots of armies coming up against him. He had, he had a lot of, lot of uh, people trying to hold him back. And then he always cried out for God and God was always there for him. And then when he called out for God, the enemies would turn and run because they just couldn't. There was nothing they could do. So he's saying, by this, I will know that God is for me. So this is, this is what we need to, to, to look at as a, as a church. We need to know that our God is for us. Not just, to, not just to read about it, not just to understand it, but to, to actually live it out and start, start speaking and walking and living as if our God is for us. It's not about walking over people. I think, like I always think, you know, to be, to be the best, you have to be better than someone else. You know, I think, I think and to be best, you actually have to walk over someone. Someone has, you have to, you know, you have to, you, you have to be over top of them, but not in God's kingdom. There's, there's, God wants everyone to be that best, you know, so, so when we, when we talk about, you know, we, we, when we, when we talk about that kind of stuff, I think we need to, we need to look at it from a God mindset, that there is no, there is no first and second best in heaven, everyone's number one, everyone's made it. And that's what we're all called to be, is, is the best. We're called to be the best in heaven, and that'll get us there, but we're called to be best here too. And that's, and that's so we can help other people, that we can be a blessing to other people. So everything he does is there for our benefit, our pro- to prosper us, to enlarge our lives. I had a, um, just the story, so godly confidence comes from standing on God's word, and that's so important. And I was thinking... How I read a book um, years ago, and it was, a, it was a sales book out of the States, and they're real, they're real sort of, they're pretty hardcore when they get into sales, and they, they like to get you to do all these routines and stuff like that. And so one of them that I read, and I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. It seems easy enough. It was like, stand in front of the mirror uh, for seven days, and every time you brush your teeth in the morning, say, I like you, 
I like the way you sound, I like the way you look. Say that 20 times for seven days. And I was like, oh, gee. First couple of days, you feel cheesy. And, and then after that, you sort of accept it. But by the end of it, you actually feel empowered. It actually makes you feel pretty amazing. No matter how cheesy it is, it's talking yourself up. I spoke to um, Annette Riddle after the service, and she goes, that reminds me of another one. And it's like, so that's on a self-confidence level. She said there's a guy called John Lake who um, went to South Africa in the 1950s, changed the, the face of the evangelical church <laughs> in South Africa. So he's, he's not a very well-known name, but he did some amazing stuff there. He, every morning he'd, go, he'd stand in front of the mirror and say, God is in that man, and where that man goes, God goes. And he, in the first five years that he was in South Africa, he saw 100,000 people saved and healed. And it's the power of speaking God's word into your life, speaking truth into your life. It works on the self-confidence and it works in the godly confidence. And look at and, and just see what he, he's achieved in the, for God's kingdom. It's all about declaring those promises over our lives. Point two, be a godly confidence will change the way you pray. A godly confidence, it's got to change the way you pray. Because when you start to declare those things of God over your life, that you start walking in those truths, when you start praying, you start taking hold of those. There's something in you that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that, that spirit starts to come out in you. When you start declaring in the, in the natural and then you start praying to God in that same kind of vein, that's when you see God start to move in your life. There's a real confidence of knowing whose you are. So when you come into prayer with God, you can boldly come into his presence. You're not, you're not coming in and saying, oh, gee, you know, can, you, can you help me out with that? It's like, no, God, you want me to, you want me to succeed in my workplace? I need, I need breakthrough. I need, people to, people, to, I need to, people to influence. I need to change the environment on there. You need to do that. I'll be your spokesperson. You do that. It's a whole different way of praying. I remember praying a little while ago about something that was um, quite dear to my heart and, and I can't remember it for the life of me and I think that's the whole point of, of the, my learning out of it is that when I prayed to God, I forget, it was about something and I said, God, I need, you to, I need some, something there and I need some resources and would you help me out with that? And then before I'd even said amen, I was thinking in my, in my heart, in my head, I was thinking, but if you don't, I can do that anyway, I've got it covered. And then I just felt convicted right then on the spot. And God was like, man, you've, you've just prayed a prayer that was in your confidence. You haven't, you haven't stepped into my confidence and asked for something that actually you can't do yourself. If you can do it yourself, go do it yourself. Don't pray to me about that. Yeah. So hardly a surprise to say that the prayer wasn't answered. But I learned something far greater that day. It's like, actually, we, we need to come boldly to God. We need to pray confident, godly prayers that are more than what we can do, bigger than what we can do. Our prayers should be bigger than our little realm that we've got for ourselves. We should be praying for friends, family, community, church, everything. You know, we've got to, we've got to step out. We've got to step up. Also, um, just on that confidence, uh, godly confidence when we pray, you know, there's, there's that, that whole thing of, of speaking honestly to God too. You know, I think sometimes we, we can say prayers and, and it's just not really how we feel in our heart. 
you know, we, we feel like every time you pray to God, you have to be in a great mood and you have to say the right things and, and you can't feel like you get frustrated with God or, or the way that, the, you know, the day's been. But I think there's real power in actually just speaking freely to God, you know, knowing who he is, knowing that he is the mighty God and, and that, um, that you need to, you know, have that respect when you pray if you want him to listen. But there's, there's, a, there's a real power in just saying, God, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was, I was there for you. You didn't turn up. Where were you? And just expect, and with that, being honest, honest prayers get answered. That's what, that's what I really felt when I was reading through this is honest prayers get answered because God can see your heart. He might, he'll never answer you in the, in the same way as you think, which makes it even more exciting is because you think you can box him into, into something, but he, he'll always do it a different way. But the amount of times I've gone to God and said, hey, God, this is, this is just terrible. This is not happening. Why? And get that frustration off your chest. He reveals what the problem is, what the real problem is. You know, we pray for finances and it's like, I just need a job that pays more. And God just wants you to, say, wants you to just take a sit back and say, hey, maybe if you were a bit better with your finances, a bit more disciplined, you wouldn't need a new job, you know? And it's not until we bring that honesty and, and, um, and that confidence when we pray. It's important. Point three, a godly confidence will influence others. A godly confidence will make you live differently. Because when we speak the promises of God in our lives and we pray the promises of God in our lives, it just, it just happens that we start living and, and approaching every situation differently. Jeremiah 15, 19 to 20, 20 says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'll introduce this. It's all about um, being an influence on people. So we have um, Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And for 40 years, he, was, he prophesied God's message to the people of Israel and Judah. And for 40 years, no one listened to a thing that he said. No one at all. Not his friends, not his family. They all mocked him. So over time, he got pretty beaten up by this whole thing. He started complaining to God and saying, God, Everyone curses me. Everyone hates me. No one, no one likes me. And, and you, you said you were going to be there, but yet you're not. Why is that? And so God, God, had, God and, and Jeremiah had spent a lot of time. Like, obviously, the only way to communicate back then was obviously praying. So he prayed. He was praying this to God. And God actually said to him in that, in that prayer, he said this. So after all these complaints that he laid against God, saying he's, he was uh, um, like a brook that dries up. He's almost like he's there, but he's not. You know, he's never there when you need him. So he'd taken his eyes off God, put them onto his own problems. And he's, he's got this self-confidence. So, so he's, he's taken his eyes off God, which is the godly confidence that, you know, you know that you're in a bad place. You know that you've you got tough times, but it doesn't matter. God's got it covered. But then as time's gone on, his confidence has worn down. And he's gone back to, reverted back to his self-confidence. And all he can see is like, if I've got to deal with this myself, I can't. Everyone hates me. What are you doing, God? What are you, what are you doing for me that's going to help me with what, what I'm doing for you? So there's a real, there's a real disconnect there of, of him taking his eyes off of godly confidence back onto his own. And God says, God replies to him, says, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. 
I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. You will fight against, they will fight against you, but you will, you will never be overcome. For I am with you to rescue and save you. So God's promise here is just like, hey, I got your back. You need to just hold fire on the complaints, okay? I haven't changed. You're the one that's changed. I'm just as, I'm just as here for you as I ever was. I was always here to rescue you. I was always here to save you. You're never going to fail with me. And he says in the middle, it's like, let these people turn to you. He's, he's basically saying, you need to be an influence to them, not them to influence you. That's our job. Is, it's to live, live lives for God, but to be influential in what we do, how we, how we approach situations, how we, how, we, how we deal with the tough times. It might be at work or at family or wherever it is. You know, People are watching us. Wondering, what is this God? What difference does this God make in our lives? And I think sometimes if we, if we don't have a, a strong sense of a godly confidence, what does that look like to other people? You know, we just, we just live in this, we live in out of a Bible that's not alive and it's, there's no meaning to it. But no, no, if you live a, a godly confidence in God, people can see that. It's like, man, what makes you different? It's not just words. There's a living God behind it. There's a, there's a God that wants everything, that has everything, wants to give it to us. It's on a platter. We just need to, we just need to trust Him in everything that He does. Because there's a great calling on everyone's lives. But I think sometimes we, we think we kind of have to stumble through this life to get to heaven, to, to, to get the promises of God. But it's, Nothing in the Bible says that you, you can't enjoy life now. It's, we're all about, we've got to enjoy and make the most of this life. Enjoy our holidays, enjoy our time off work, enjoy our work, enjoy our families. And to be successful at everything we do, this side of eternity. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 25 says, this is what the Lord says. Let us not, let the wise not boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So let's make that a our boast as a, as a church, that we'd boast in the things of God, that we'd boast in the confidence that we have in God. We can look at boasting as being, you know, those people, everyone knows one of those guys that are overconfident, that boast in their own abilities, you know, and that's just got a, a overinflated opinion of themselves. But there's, there's a thing with, with boasting when you, when you look at, well, boasting, it's, it's, it's been amazed and impressed with what somebody else has done for you and I think we need to we me needs to needs to really understand what God has done for us and when you see what he's done on the cross to restore us to him and the cost of that that we're compelled to 
to boast in Him, that we're compelled to just say, hey, look, I don't understand how this works, but I know, God, that You are greater and You've got a better way for us to live. And my confidence is in You, no matter what happens. So let us let our boast be in, the God, in our God for all He has done by speaking out the promises of God and the confidence that we get in that. For us praying big prayers, godly, confident prayers, and use our godly confidence to influence those in our communities and in our nation and all the places that we find ourselves in. We need to stop shrinking back from the areas that we think are insignificant. Because in God's kingdom, there's no shrinking back in anything. There's no, it's always taking ground. It's always about more. It's always enlarging your kingdom, the God, kingdom of God. And if we're finding ourselves shrinking back in areas of temptation or the way we speak, the way we think, we can't, we can't live effective lives that are going to be at the most effect for those that we get to influence. So let's close in prayer.